Welcome to the GMAT Strategy Podcast. You're here because you believe there's a better way to study for the GMAT, and so do I. I created the GMAT Strategy to maximize your results and minimize your efforts so you can get to the fun parts about business school and life as quickly as possible. My name is Isaac Puglia, and I've been teaching GMAT classes and tutoring privately for the GMAT for over six years, and I personally have achieved a 99th percentile score on an official GMAT exam and helped hundreds of students get into the business schools of their choice. I'm excited to be a part of your MBA journey since I think the world can benefit from the best possible business leaders that we can find. And if this show is bringing you value, please share it with your friends and family who are studying for the GMAT so that together we can make this process as easy and painless for as many people as we possibly can. Let's go. Let's talk about the basics of the GMAT verbal section. What do you need to know? How do you improve? Let's start with the format. You're going to see 36 questions on the verbal section in 65 minutes, which gives you just under two minutes per question. Just like the quant section, it used to be longer up until I think a couple years ago. It used to be 41 questions in 75 minutes, and they've shortened it quite a bit, which is great for all of us. And the way they did that is by putting fewer experimental questions into the section. So I addressed this a couple weeks ago when I talked about the basics of quant, but some of the questions that you see on your GMAT won't count for your score, and they're for the test writer's research. The problem is you won't know which questions are experimental and which ones count for your score, so you have to try hard the whole time as if every question counts. And just know that some of those questions, probably three on the verbal side and on the quant side, will not count for your score. But it's very difficult to guess which ones they are, so I recommend not really thinking about that at all. Unless you want to stay positive during the section if you see a question that's really weird, or you think you might have got something wrong or made a big mistake on something. Sometimes it's good to maybe tell a little white lie to yourself and say, oh, maybe that was an experimental question, maybe that didn't really matter. That actually can help keep your cool under pressure. Something to think about. Now, unlike the quant section, which has only two question formats, the verbal section has three different question formats. Sentence correction, which tests grammar, critical reasoning, which tests logic, and reading comprehension, which tests your comprehension of a reading passage. And we'll get into those specific question types in a moment. Now, just like quant, the verbal section is adaptive. And that means if you get a question right, the next question's harder. If you get a question wrong, the next uh, question is easier. So it adapts to your ability on a question-by-question basis. Now, there's a great deal of strategy behind how to approach an adaptive exam like the GMAT. And if you're really not sure how the algorithm works and you want a little bit of the inside track, check out my video presentation at thegmatstrategy.com. I'll put the link in the description of this podcast if you want a fast link. And check out my 45-minute video presentation on how to achieve your dream dream at score in half the normal time and with half the normal effort. Now, if you don't have 45 minutes, you can get through the algorithm piece. I think it's in the first 20. So if you don't find the rest of the video helpful, that's fine. I think the algorithm piece is valuable. And if you're interested in my unique approach for capitalizing on that newfound knowledge about the algorithm, then consider taking the GMAT strategy class. I think it's very reasonably priced for what you get. I have a money-back guarantee, so if you don't like the class, you just email me, and no problem. You can have your money back. Something to think about. Now, the good news about an adaptive test is you can miss a pretty good number of questions and still get a fantastic score, which is generally not true of accuracy-based tests. Now, 
the margin for error on the verbal section is a little bit less on the than than on the quant section if you're aiming for a very very high score. So let's say above a 40 subscore, which would be above the 90th percentile in terms of subscore, you're going to need to be getting more than 70% of questions right. I think if you can miss five, maybe six questions and still get a 40 or 41 on the verbal section, and then after that, it's going to come down to basically getting almost every single question right if you're trying to get into the mid-40s for some reason. Now, I'll just say I have never seen a business school that, that needed you to get above a 40 on the verbal section in order to get in. That's extremely unlikely. But if you're really shooting for that ultra-high verbal score for whatever reason, you're going to need to know your stuff so well it's ridiculous. And we'll, we'll talk about that, how to do that in a moment. Now, most of us just don't need a score that high. If you get a 36 or better in verbal, that's pretty much high enough for all the top 10 schools. And then you'll either need a very, very high quant score, at least 45, or um, some combination of increasing your quant score and increasing your verbal score to, let's say, 38 or 40 to get that kind of 700 to 730-ish type score that the top schools really like to see overall. But after 36, any points on either of the section really, really help when it comes to gaining a 700 and getting into a top school. Now, the one, two, three rule still applies. If you're not sure what I'm talking about when I say the one, two, three rule, then go back two episodes to the Basics of Quant podcast and listen to my whole analogy about timing individual questions. And just like on the quant side, because it's adaptive, if you spend too long on a question, that can really, really hurt you. And um, most of us are not going to get every single question right on the verbal or quant section. So it really pays to have an approach for what to do when you really don't know how to answer a question and you and spending more time on that question is probably not going to help you increase your odds of getting it right. So I won't go deep into that because I went deep into it a couple weeks ago, but check that out and feel free to reach out to me if you have questions. I'm at the GMAT strategy on Instagram, at the GMAT strategy on Facebook, YouTube and Reddit. So reach out if you have questions. Let's get into the formats. Sentence correction, test grammar content. Now I'll repeat this when I talk about critical reasoning, but it's a type of grammar where the GMAT essentially gets to make the rules. So just knowing the basics of regular English grammar will definitely help, but you might be surprised that the GMAT has its own kind of conventions when it comes to grammar. The main subjects that they test are subject-verb agreement, parallelism, modifiers, pronouns, verb tense, idioms, and meaning issues. Now, I'm probably going to end up doing some individual podcasts on each one of those content areas in the future, so feel free to let me know if you'd like to get Get, uh, like me to get to that sooner rather than later. And uh, I had someone reach out to me on Instagram in the past couple weeks and request more verbal content. So that's coming, including today's episode. And uh, next week, probably as well, I'll dive deep into how to increase your verbal a little bit faster. Now, you're going to want a reliable and reputable source for learning this content because, as I said, the GMAT has its own conventions. So it's probably not going to be sufficient to go out and get any old grammar book, learn the rules in it, and then expect to dominate GMAT sentence correction. It'll definitely help. Don't get me wrong. It'll definitely, definitely help. But you'll save yourself a lot of time and, and pain and effort if you get a book that's specifically tailored to GMAT grammar. I personally recommend the Manhattan Prep Sentence Correction Guide. They also have a, an inclusive book called All the Verbal where you can get their sentence 
sentence correction guide, critical reasoning guide, and reading comp guide bundled into one book. And if you know you need work on all three, then I definitely recommend that. You also get some great online resources with that book. And I think it's very fairly priced. Now, if there's if you don't want to do that for whatever reason, you can get the books used. Sometimes libraries have copies of these books if you need to get them for free. And there are some valuable free resources on gmatclub.com. And obviously, if you if you take a class, you'll almost certainly learn everything that you need to know as far as content goes. And if you have a one-on-one tutor, you should be in good hands in most situations, assuming your tutor has reasonable recommendations and has a good reputation. There are a couple keys to your success on sentence correction. If you take a class, you'll get a strategy. I, I think the basic strategy of sentence correction is relatively straightforward. I'll give you the kind of quick version of that and I'll go deeper into that in a future podcast, but you want to use the differences of the answer choices to help guide your decision making. That's that's really the key to sentence correction. And I'll give you a really good inside tip. There's always a difference at the beginning of each answer choice and there's always a difference at the end. Now most people know about the differences at the beginning, but a lot of people don't know that there's also differences at the end that can really guide your decision making. Now those differences don't always mean you can eliminate things that are wrong. Sometimes the differences don't have any grammatical significance. They're just there to distract you, but it's still a good place to start just in case you feel you can make a confident elimination. Back to the two keys. The first one is you just have to know the basic material like it's like the back of your hand, if you're familiar with that phrase. You, you just have to know it so well that you don't have to think about what parallelism is. You don't have to think about what modifiers are. You just know. And if you're an English language learner and or English is not your first language, then I would definitely recommend getting a copy of Manhattan Prep's Foundations of Verbal Book. It's specifically written for folks who are trying to improve your English, and it will greatly, greatly reduce the amount of study time you need to get good enough at GMAT Verbal to hit your goal. If you're a native speaker, it's definitely helpful. I went through it myself when I was studying back in the day, and I got a lot of value out of it, but it's definitely not essential if you are a native English speaker. And... Um, it's, it's just worth having as a backup approach. If, you, if you're on a tight timeline, then you probably don't need that book. But if you have a little more time, I think it's worth it personally. So that's the first key. You just got to know the, the basic material super, super well. The second key is you have to review every single question that you attempt on a practice test or from the official guide, whether you got it right or wrong. Okay, this is so, so important. And I'll talk more about what that looks like a little bit later. Moving on, the other format, second format, is called critical reasoning. And like I said before, that tests basic logic, but much like sentence correction, it's not just regular logic. It's the type of logic that the the GMAT gets to make the rules. And so the GMAT has its own definition of what a conclusion is, its own definition of what an assumption is, and the rules of formal logic don't always apply perfectly. And so again, you really want to get a test-specific source to learn your content. Again, I recommend the Manhattan book for critical reasoning. I think it's fantastic. Um, But I think there are also some other good books out there for critical reasoning. I've had good experiences with the Power Score material and most in-person or digital class providers that I've come across personally have reasonably, if not very good, critical reasoning instruction. So you're probably pretty safe as far as sources of information go for critical reasoning. But you do want to tap into a source that teaches you about the specific logic that the GMAT uses. There are also two major keys to your success on critical reasoning. 
the first and most important and probably the most underutilized and misunderstood is you must know the difference between each individual critical reasoning question type. Depending on how you count, there's between six and eight different types, and each one has a very, very different job that it's asking you to perform. So when you see boldface type, that's going to be asking you to do something very, very different than if a question asks you to strengthen an argument, or if it asks you for an assumption that's necessary in drawing a specific type of conclusion. So the strongest piece of advice that I can give you for critical reasoning is to learn those like the back of your hand, just like the sentence correction rules. You don't want to be thinking on test day, What's, what am I supposed to do when a question asks me to evaluate an argument again? You want that to be completely, completely automatic. Now, the second key is also very much like sentence correction in the sense that moving your score is all about reviewing questions, whether you got them right or wrong. And I'll repeat this at the end, probably, but the main thing that drives your score on the verbal side is not necessarily how many questions you complete, but how much you learn from each question. And if you're just getting a question right but not learning anything from it, that's kind of a waste of time because the whole purpose of practicing is to improve, not just to spend time doing questions. But many of us think that just doing questions will make us better, and it probably won't make you worse, but you're probably not being nearly as efficient as you could be unless you have a very, very good review strategy. Again, more on that later. Let's move to reading comp. This is probably the most straightforward of the three types because you just read a passage and then you answer questions about that passage. Now, one tip I can give you is that if the passage itself is difficult to read, then that means the questions are probably also going to be pretty tough. So if reading comprehension is not a strength for you, sometimes it's worth just doing two out of the three or three out of the four questions and taking a random guess on one of the questions to give you a little bit more time to read and a little bit more time to answer some of the other questions. And that's particularly helpful if you're just a very, very slow reader. Now, if your reading needs help, it's it's very difficult to get around the fact that reading is generally a skill that you must build over a longer period of time. So reading a lot in English really, really helps. You can find short articles, long articles, things you're interested in, things you're not interested in. It all helps. Now, the best time to start working on your reading accuracy and speed is 10 years ago. <laughs> but the next best time is today. So just start. If you know you really, really need to work on that, start with three minutes a day, and then five minutes a day, and then six minutes a day, and then 10 minutes a day, and then scale up from there until you're reading at least an hour a day every single day. And you can pull articles from the internet and take notes on them, or you can just read books cover to cover. It all helps, like I said. Two big keys to reading comprehension. The first one is that they are never, ever asking you for your opinion about a reading comp passage on the GMAT. I'll say that again. You are never being asked for your opinion or your point of view on a reading comp passage. And that is very, very difficult for a lot of people to wrap their mind around because many of the questions are written in a way that really makes it seem like they're asking for a subjective point of view, but they are not. Reading comp is only designed to test your reading comprehension, so there must be a way to answer the question based on what you read in the passage. Now again, the key to improvement over time is review, and let's finally get into that right now. The real key to improvement with verbal is pr practicing primarily with official guide questions. You really want a reputable source of practice problems for your verbal prep. 
Now that means that there aren't a ton of really high quality practice questions out there. Now if anyone has recommendations, if you really, really like the GMAT club questions, if you really, really like a certain provider's questions, then let me know. DM me, message me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Reddit, whatever. Write me a post if you want. You can even email me at the GMAT strategy at Gmail. And let me know if you have a good source of verbal questions. I have yet to find a really, really great one, but I'll give you a tip uh, for, for in a second. Start with the official guide. Because there's so few questions, again, this makes reviewing the questions just ultra, ultra important because if you're just doing questions, you're going to exhaust the official guide really fast. And I, I just cannot count the number of people I've met over the years who come to me and they say, I've done every question in the official guide and my verbal score has not moved. And that is a terrible, terrible fate. Please save yourself from that fate. That is awful. Every verbal question that you do, just make sure you do two things. Make sure you write down why the right answer is right. If you can't come up with a compelling reason why the right answer is right, that has to do either with a grammar rule, a job that a critical reasoning question is asking you to perform, or something rooted in the text of a reading comp passage. If you can't come up with a compelling reason why the right answer is right, it's time to put that question into a web search and learn from somebody else who does have a compelling explanation, okay? Second thing you always want to do is make sure you write down a compelling reason for why each wrong answer is wrong. Again, something rooted in actual grammatical principles for sentence correction ideally, or GMAT style guessing principles if you have a good class or reputable teacher. Something rooted in actual GMAT logic for critical reasoning and something rooted in the text of a passage. Or perhaps the answer choice is just not addressed at all in the text of a reading comp and therefore it is not the right answer. If you're interested in a more tactical review strategy that can save you time and accelerate your progress, I do teach one for each individual question type in the GMAT strategy digital video class, which I referenced earlier in the lesson. So I'm not going to go deep on that, but if you want more information on that, check out my website, thegmatstrategy.com, or hit me up on any social media channels and let me know if you have questions about the class. Now, if you're taking a class or you have a private tutor, or you've come up with a review methodology that you like, that's fantastic. That is totally, totally fantastic. If you feel like you're getting great results, that's awesome. My way of reviewing is not the only way to review, but I've put a lot of thought and a lot of trial and error into it, and I've found that that's the best way uh, for my students to grow as quickly as possible. Once again, and as always, my greatest hope is that this material will make your studies as easy and as painless as possible. I want to take a moment and just give a special, special thank you to the folks who have reviewed the podcast. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Someone wrote a review recently that really, really, I was honestly just very touched by it. And I'm just so happy to hear that all of you are getting so much value out of the podcast. If you want more tips and strategies for optimizing your performance on the GMAT, as always, head to thegmatstrategy.com and check out my video presentation on how to achieve your goal score in half the normal time and with half the normal effort. In the meantime, this is a weekly show, so please subscribe and stay positive and stay consistent with your studies. I'll talk to you soon.